Welcome back to another episode of our Eagle Perspective podcast. I am Mike Siciliano, Dean of Students of the Upper School. I'm here today with Mark Andriani. I mean, I so many titles I could give you. Middle school Bible teacher, coach of various sports during your time here. I mean, most people would refer to you as Coach A. Does anyone call you Mr. Andriani? No, nobody does, mainly because my last name has been mispronounced for my entire life. Yeah. Uh, so... Just I, I mean, so has mine, <clears throat> right, Siciliano, and yet I, I'm not Coach S. So there's something that you have in terms of, you know, magnetism that apparently I'm lacking. So you have to, you have to teach me your secrets yeah, someday. I don't, know, I don't know if it's a secret other than just boundaries with kids. <laughs> do not call me that. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then worship leader, I mean, you do middle and upper school chapel, mm-hmm. correct? What What else am I forgetting here on your, on your resume? Um... I started our middle school missions program yep. eight years ago. Right. We're going to talk about that. Yep. We're actually kind of focused on that today. Yep. Yep. Uh, you've been on upper school mission trips as well. I have. Where have you been? Uh, Italy twice with uh, Catania yeah. and Israel twice with uh, Mr. Garcia and okay. Mr. Litz. Which the Israel trip, I have not had the, pr- the pleasure of getting to go on, and I've heard it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's uh, it's truly unbelievable. Not really missional in its, in its uh, right. content, yeah. but it's it's awesome. What's the best part about it? I think the best part about it is being able to be in the places and picture yourself in the actual Bible where Jesus was and what he was doing. And yeah, it, it just makes the whole text come to life. Yeah, that's yeah. That, I mean, I, I mean, I've heard that from kids too. That yeah. It's like suddenly the Bible is is alive and you're standing where Jesus stood, and yep. uh, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so we're going to talk about a few things. I, I know you <clears> just <throat> got back from Tucson. Oh yeah. So yeah, uh, why don't you talk about that trip, which you started, yep, um, and and why you started it, and what it's all about. Uh, so yeah, started the Tucson trip I think seven years ago, and we've gone six times, and uh, it's basically an opportunity for us to connect what's happening in my class as we discuss and 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 wrestle over and and get deep into the scriptures, specifically in the book of Luke, but also jumping around the other gospels and saying, this is what Jesus did and this is how he lived. And then how do we actually take that and put kids in a position to be able to do very similar things? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I'm not a huge fan of cliches, uh, but one that I will actually use and say, I, I think I'm okay with it is being the hands and feet of Jesus. And uh, I think we just get kids to get away from the comforts of, of home uh, and, and all the things that they feel comfortable in and just say, where's your comfort zone and how do I get you one step past that each day that we're there? Uh, and for some kids, when we're out in a park uh, doing homeless outreach or something like that, uh, some kids will hide behind an adult and maybe offer a bag of supplies to somebody. Some kid will be all in. I remember a kid, just this is actually just a few days ago, a kid <clears throat> was like, hey, Coach A, there's, there's a homeless guy over there. Can I go talk to him? I'm like, yeah, buddy. So he goes over and he reaches his hand out. He says, hey, my name is so-and-so. Sure. And the kid, the guy's like, oh, hey, I'm this guy. And he's like, hey, I got this bag. You want this bag? And he's like, yeah, I'd love the bag. He's like, do you have anything specific I can pray for you for? He's just so fired up to just get <laughs> in there and like be with these people. And I was like, yes, that's it. And all of the walls that he had built up in his own mind about what homelessness means just crumbled right before my very eyes. And then I look at that and say, I'm pretty sure that's God moving. Yeah. That's God moving in that kid's life. Uh, so we do stuff like that. We, we, and we also partner with a lot of organizations that are already established in Tucson. Uh, one of my favorites that we work with is a group called the gospel rescue mission. Gospel rescue mission, uh, for those of us who don't know is right now in Tucson is becoming the model for all future gospel rescue missions in Mm. major cities across the country. Uh, it is, 
an old hotel uh, that the owner of the hotel leases to Gospel Rescue Mission for $1 a year for the next 99 wow. years. It has space for 350 beds for people who need to be off the street, uh, but it's not just beds and sleeping. It's also uh, it's programs for people who are addicted to drugs, addicted to alcohol, who are struggling financially, um, who need dental work or medical work, or they need to have access to a pharmacy. They have a full kitchen. They have literally everything that you could possibly imagine in this facility to take people from the place that they're in, which is hurting and broken, and to give them a little bit more fullness and abundant life. It's, uh, I have to show this quote. A kid on the trip, we were sitting in one of the rooms as we were getting a tour of this facility, and this kid looks at me and he goes, with all seriousness, he says, Coach A, is it possible that this is heaven? Wow. And I looked at him and I said, I think that that's certainly possible for a lot of people, that this is uh, just a glimpse and a taste of the salvation that they're awaiting in, in, in its fullness, but here and now they're being cared for and loved. And when kids get to see that, it just breaks, it just breaks all of these ideas about what it means to be a Christian and it makes it so much more tangible. Uh, and it's not so much about academics and theology, it's about human interaction and seeing God work and seeing love on full display in a way that I mean, it makes it all worth it, even though it's super hard. The trip's hard. I mean, we bring 120 people across state lines and I gotta manage all of it. It's not like, it's a little bit anxiety inducing, but when you <laughs> see that, it's like. Uh, I have so many follow-up questions from already, from Do what it. you've shared. So yeah. uh, like the first thing is just, I mean, thank you for giving our kids that opportunity. <clears throat> um, what made you start this trip? There's a long story and a short one. I'll give you the good one. Okay. That's good. Uh, when I was 20 Thanks years, for not giving me the bad one. Yeah, yeah, I won't give you the bad <laughs> one. Uh, when I was 21 years old, I was a senior at Biola University. Uh, it was my second semester over there. Uh, so my last semester in college, I was taking a class uh, as part of my biblical studies program called The Nature of Theological Integration with a professor named Rick Langer. He's still there. I actually emailed him yesterday just to say, like, dude, I was just in Tucson, and I just remembered you, and, I, and here's the story. 21 years old, I'm working part-time at a coffee shop in Dana Point, so I was commuting on the weekends. It's a Saturday night, and I, me and my buddy, after we got off work, his name was Donnie, went down to the Dana Point Harbor, and we see this man laid out on the stairs above the Dana Point Harbor. We were just going there to hang out and talk and whatever, and we see this guy, he's laid out, and there's bottles all around him, and he is not conscious, uh, and I just looked at my friend Donnie, who we were, I mean, it's very new in our Christian faith, like four years into it for both of us, we were really young. And uh, I just looked at him, I go, dude, I think we, we gotta help this guy. Like, we've gotta do something. Um, and Donnie looked at me, he's like, let's do it. So we tried to wake him up and it took a while, like a half hour to get him like actually talking to us. And we stood him up on his feet and I put him in my car and I drove him to my parents' house, which I don't recommend wow. doing. Uh, got him in the shower, which was hard. Um, but at that point, I felt like I was all in. I was like, I mean, when you think about Jesus and the Gospels and the way that he interacted with people who were marginalized and outcasted and down and out, it's like, we gotta do something. So put him in my car, took him to my parents' house. My parents, if you're listening, parents, you don't know this, sorry. 
<laughs> we're we're actually this is a confession. Yeah, is this what is, this is. This is actually a confession. Yeah. So I, I think we're in like a we're in like the we're a bubble of silence here. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Nobody's listening. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, Nobody will watch this at all. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. got him showered, uh, cleaned him up, gave him some of my clothes, <clears throat> put him back in the car. And then it was like midnight at that point, and we just kind of hung out with this guy till about 6 a.m. When, when businesses started to open. Took him back to the coffee shop I work at, got him a cup of coffee, bought him a bagel next door. And I just asked him what he needed, and he's like, for this guy, music was his life. Big punk rock guy, been in bands in Orange County for a long time in L.A. Uh, he's like, I, I just like, I need a way to listen to music. So we went to Walmart. I uh, got him a little, like a, a disc man. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it was like 20 bucks. It was nothing. But did it have the anti-skip thing that when it jostled yes. around? Yes. So when you okay. shake it around, it All still right. plays. So you didn't go cheap. Like, no. You went quality. But it, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was, yeah quality. <laughs> Only the best. Uh, and then it was now a figure of like, what do I do with this person? Like, how do I help him? Like, what's the best way forward for him? So I started calling all the hospitals I could uh, get him into. We finally got him into San Clemente Hospital for a quick detox. And uh, that was brutal for him. And I was visiting him every other hour with my friend Donnie. We were on shifts, just kind of checking in on him. And when they, the hospital called me and said, hey, we're gonna discharge this guy. Uh, and then it was like, okay, well then what's next? So cool, he's, he's got no, he's detoxed from all the stuff that was in his body, but like, what is the next step? And um, the next thing I do is I got him admitted into a 30 day rehab program in Costa Mesa. So then I drove him to Costa Mesa. Um, and this is all taking place over like a, a two-day window. And he gets into the place in Costa Mesa, and I drop him off, and I'm like, bro, I'll be back next weekend to check on you. I gotta go back to school. And he was like, dude, thank you for everything. We hugged and tears and prayed for him and all this other stuff. And then uh, I got a phone call the following Saturday morning at 5.30 in the morning that said, hey man, I thank you for everything, and I hope I see you again. I just can't do this. And I never heard from him again. So for me, the hardest part of that story is like, I was asking questions like, is love enough? Is God enough? Is like these big questions that kind of just like tore me up because I was like, dude, I gave this guy everything that I, I had, uh, which was, you know, a little bit of money, some driving, a shower. I didn't have access to a lot. Uh, and it just, it just wasn't enough. Or, be, or he just didn't want it. And I think for me, the two things happened. Number one, my empathy exploded mm. for people in their circumstances to say, not everybody is cookie cuttered into the same way and their, their issues don't play out the same way. And some people are more like driven towards God's love and redemption and restoration. And some people are stuck in their old habits and patterns and the way that they do things and they don't necessarily want to leave those things because they're comfortable in those things and they're convenient and he just wasn't ready to move away from that life which was literally killing him um but for me that that is like the that's the starting point of my love for people who are messy and struggle and are hurting and broken uh because if i'm honest it's like I'm holding a mirror up to myself when I really look at that guy and I go, I'm messy, I'm hurting, I'm broken. Uh, but the, the beautiful thing of all of that is that I know that God loves me and I, I, re- I, I push into that every single day. Uh, yeah, and I think that's why 
I think that's why I wanted to start a program like this. Because you want kids to see, I mean, first of all, obviously, you know, most of our kids aren't, aren't in a situation like that gentleman and may never have, have yet seen, been aware that that is something that is more common than maybe they think. Totally. And so giving them exposure to that and also kind of introducing them to the idea of here's how we be the hands and feet of Jesus to those people yeah, is a, a central grounding point for them in their faith development. hundred percent. And one of the things I harp on with these kids is like, I call it the ministry of presence. Uh, it's, it's not so much that you have to go and scream Jesus in the megaphone in somebody's ear and be like, you have to accept this right now. It's, it's about being present in a person's life yeah. regardless. Yeah whether they're talking about aliens coming down from, from the sky or whether they're struggling because they got kicked out of their apartment because they don't have enough money or whatever. It's like you just be present with them so that they know that they're loved. And I think yeah. that's ultimately, that is the work of Christ, you know? There's a pastor um, that, that said, and I've always remembered this line, but it is the kindness of Christ that leads to conversion. That's it. Right, and that, in that being present. So what do you see in our, in our seventh graders, right, when you're on Tucson? Like, I mean, I know... There, there's a lot of energy beforehand that's yeah. sort of like, you know, we're going on a trip together yep. and it's going to be fun. Yep. Like, how does that attitude sort of change over the course of the trip? Yeah, so we, we break the seventh graders up into these different things called ministry groups, is, which is basically their traveling cohorts while we're there um, to go in different directions every day in the city of Tucson and, and go be at different places. Before the trip, a lot of those groups are not necessarily friend-based. It's not like hey, I'm going to be with my buddies in this. Yeah. Sometimes it is, but most of the time it's not. So it's a, it's a lot of times it's we're forcing them out of their comfortable friend situations into these like slightly uncomfortable ones. And then what happens is it's a little bit, dis, it's like uncomfortable before the trip, but then the trip starts and then they have a shared experience of seeing something or doing something or listening to something that they're like, oh my gosh, my mind is blown. And now it's like, you all were with me for this. So I see kids now being friends with people that they thought they would never be friends with. So there's unity in the class that is explosive and it happens so fast and it's like, oh my gosh, it's only Monday. You know what I mean? It's only (laughs) Monday and these kids are loving each other in ways that are like, it, it it just breaks down a lot of those boundaries. So that's one major thing is we see massive class unity because of a shared experience. Um, what was the other thing? I forgot what I was saying. Well, just what, what do you, how <laughs> Take, do they change from like, Hey, this is fun. We're going on a trip to like, Oh, there's like some real serious stuff here. Like, like how do you see them change from beginning to end? Mm, yeah. I think the biggest thing is that we see kids go from, I, I, I just watch kids move outside of their comfort zones a little bit. Like every single, I don't think there's a kid that goes on that trip that's unaffected yeah. or unchanged by the experience because we're putting them in situations to see and hear and do things that they are just uncomfortable doing because they're not natural for us because uh, we like to be comfortable. So I see kids move outside of that comfort zone. I see empathy grow. I see them acting on the things that we read about in class, like in a way that it's like, it, it's mind blowing to me. Well, that, and that, that's actually what's going to be my next question. How does it change their understanding of the gospel? I think the thing that the biggest change that I see is that the gospel is no longer about just what's happening in your head. It's no longer just about believing the right things. It's about that, but it's also about the way that we act as human beings, created in God's image, um, 
to be part of the kingdom movement that God is doing, which is just being a force of love in the world in, in ways that has that boundaries have to break in order to be a full expression of that love. Yeah. Our job is not just to, to have the right belief and theology. Right. That's part of it. Right. But we have to be part of what God is doing here. A hundred percent. And they see that, I think, 100%. on that, on that and trip. I'm always reminded of James chapter two. And James says, like, what good is it for you to just have some faith if you're going to walk by this dude who's got no food and no clothing? And you say, be well, be warm. I hope you get some food. God bless you, brother. It doesn't mean anything. But yeah. the moment you get to say, like, what do you need? How can I help you? and God bless you, and I love you, then all of a sudden it, it takes on a much more holistic uh, like grounding in people's lives because it's not just like, oh yeah, I believe this, I believe this, I believe this. Because if it's just, if it's just Christianity in school, it's like, oh, it's academic. It's all mm-hmm. in my brain. And then the moment you put it into your, like, into your bones, into your flesh, and it plays itself out, that's when, and this is the beauty of it all, gosh, the thing that I love about Jesus, I mean, I love so many things about Jesus, but the one, one thing that I just taught about it yesterday in class, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his very soul? And whoever's going to find me actually has to lose themselves. And I'm watching kids lose themselves on this trip. And then all of a sudden, they're propensity towards worship is grand, is grander because it's like, oh, I start to understand. They just get little glimpses that move them further and further and further into the love of God in ways that is wildly transformative. One of the things I think, Mark, that, that you're so good at is that kids, you know, you have these experience with kids on this trip, you have them in your class, but like you're one of the people that they keep coming back to. So you know, like, like you and I have worked with in some cases with seniors, right. Even this year that, you know, they, they come and they seek counsel and you help them through difficult things. Yeah. So, I mean, this is going to be a hard question because you don't like bragging about yourself, but what is it, what is it about your approach that is so successful at, at kids who are questioning, struggling, they want to come to you and share that struggle with you and they know they can count on you for good counsel? It's a very hard question. Well, that's my job. I have one job here, Mark. <laughs> Ask hard questions. <laughs> Make me, get me outside my comfort <laughs> that's zone. That's right. That's right. Uh, all right, I'll just say it. I think my approach is one that says, I don't have it all figured out. I don't know all the answers and I'm on a journey just like you are. And I think when we can understand that we are all on a journey, hopefully all on the same path on that journey, but we're all, we're all trying to get to the same thing, which is Christ. Some people are further ahead. Some people have stepped off. Some people are further behind. Some people are turned in the wrong direction, but everybody's in the spot that they're in. And no matter what spot you're in, God's love doesn't know a boundary to go get that person. And I think that that's the model for how I teach kids about God, is that you can be anywhere on the journey and you are not beyond God's grace. You are not beyond his mercy. He is always coming after us. And I think the way that I teach is from a very honest perspective and very real. I, I mean, I'm 
I'm vulnerable with kids about what it means to follow Jesus and how sometimes it's really, really hard. Um, I share anecdotes from my own life. Um, and I also try to never pass judgment depending on where a kid is, whether it's a question that they're struggling, like, I don't know if I can believe this stuff or I don't know if I should do this or this or I'm making choices that I know aren't good for me. All of it get, boils down to like, if I sit there and go, well, you can't do this, you should do this, and it should be like this, all of a sudden, the right answer has been presented to them, and they don't necessarily need a right answer. They need somebody to listen and be empathetic and to walk with them on the journey and on the path, because otherwise, it's me just going, here's a Band-Aid for your problem, uh, but you've got this like massive bleed out on the side, and I'm not, doing, I'm not solving anything. But the moment you walk with a kid and you link arms with them and say, we're in this together, like we're gonna do this together, then they can walk confidently on the journey that they're on, ask hard questions, get good answers, and even when they make mistakes, they don't have to worry that, I, I think that's probably why they keep coming back to me is that they're not worried that I'm gonna be like, you're terrible. Yeah. I don't, I mean, Some, Sometimes do it. it actually helps them hear the right answer a little better when they know you're in their court. For sure. Right, when they know you're, you're in their camp. For sure, and I, I've given kids a lot, of, a lot of counsel that they didn't wanna hear, but they're like, you're right. I, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I'd say that's my, that might be the, one of the reasons why. Yeah. So going back to Tucson just a little bit. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, you've talked a ton about the meaning and the purpose and the significance of the trip, but it's a lot of work. Yep. So, <laughs> uh, you know, and you also take a group of seniors. Yes. Right, on the trip that, oh, that kind of serve as mentors. Best thing we've ever done to that trip. Okay, so why so? So, uh, for those of you who don't know, we take uh, however many seniors we need, but uh, myself and you and Miss Rugi, we interview, we, we start the process by saying, seniors, we want to invite you to apply for a, this trip and come be, we call them assistant chaperones, but that's, you know, it just is what it is. They're just student leaders that come on the trip. And so we get a lot of applications and we interview every single one uh, that show up for their interviews, of course. We, <laughs> yeah. we had, uh, this year we had, like 27 applications, right? Out of it, like almost a quarter of the senior class. Yeah, I think it was 30 applied. applications and we okay. interviewed 26 or something like okay, that. Okay, so we had, we had four self-select out before the yeah. interview. Yep, <laughs> yeah. yep. And uh, we interview them and then we make the hard hard choices of, of selecting certain kids for the trip that we think are gonna add value to the trip and be awesome. And the best part about that is that the seniors jump into these different ministry groups. There's at least one senior uh, with our Santa Fe adults, and sometimes there's two seniors, and uh, they learn how to model, they learn how to lead, they how to learn how to deal with groups of kids. Like uh, they basically become miniature versions of our Santa Fe staff in ways that is very uncomfortable for them and very hard sometimes because they don't know whether they're supposed to raise their voice to get a group to be quiet or if they're just supposed to stand on a chair and wait for everybody quiet, but they yeah. watch us do what we do so well. Uh, and then they start to learn all of these amazing leadership skills in real time. Like it happens fast and they're out there leading devotions and they are uh, interacting with our ministry partners and they are, it's this beautiful bridge between like when they were students and into adulthood and yeah. all of these, it's, it's just the best thing. And I would say on top of that, I get to pour into those seniors, Rugi gets to pour into those seniors and we watch those kids in like literally empty themselves into the student into the seventh graders lives and what's so crazy is every senior i talk to since we've been back every senior says the exact same thing 
I wish I was back in Tucson. Yeah. And it's like, I know what Tucson's like. It's not like, it's not like gorgeous, but <laughs> these kids are like, I don't, I don't want to be back. Yeah. Like I, now it's just back to the grind of school and I just want to be back serving. I want to keep doing that. And like, now I see the seniors walking through the school and the seventh graders are giving them high fives oh, and like giving them that. hugs and stuff. I'm like, dude, it's the best thing ever yeah. because now seventh graders see a model for what it means to be a senior at this school. And we're taking these seniors and saying like, you are, you have, the seniors have no idea the investment. They don't yeah. know. They, they don't exhaust. understand their influence either. No, they have no like, idea. Like you and I can say the same thing seven times and yep. then one of them says it and suddenly they're just all on board with whatever And it, it all clicks for them. They're yeah. like, oh, the senior said it. So yeah. I totally <laughs> get it. Yeah. So yeah. that's, yeah, that's the best thing we've ever done to that trip since it started. Yeah. Now it's, it's grueling, right? It's yeah. like, what time are you guys up in the morning? Uh, between six and seven. Okay. So fairly standard. You're um, getting to your service site. Right around nine. Okay. So we eat breakfast. It's literally wake up, eat breakfast, uh, have a Devo, and then we get in vans. Okay. And we go, we'll usually be at a place from nine to noon or nine to one. We bring bag lunches because we don't have time to go necessarily eat. Sometimes we find a couple hours and we take them to, you know, yeah. Dairy Queen or whatever, which is awesome. <laughs> the kids love that stuff. Uh, but then we bag lunches and then we're off to the next ministry site until basically dinner. And then we eat dinner and then we go back and have our meeting and our, our debrief time at the end of the day, which is, I would say, one of the most valuable parts of the trip is is processing and debriefing all the things that they've seen and done. Um, and I would say bed checks are usually at 9, 9.30. And then, of course, the seniors want to hang and they need to debrief yeah. and they got to talk about all the things right. and their experiences with our own kids and also with whoever else they met. So we spend time with them at night and um, then the adults need to hang out for a little bit just to like kind of decompress and 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 then we get up and do it again. Yeah, and it's it, you, awesome. you mentioned the adults. I mean, it, it is a it's a draining trip for the adults. I know that. I, it is. I haven't been on the trip, but from from talking with. But what's neat about it is they all come back, right? So so yeah. they all say they all get back from the trip and they all say, "Oh man, it was so hard. It was so difficult. I'm exhausted." Yep. I'm, uh, but it was awesome. Like yep. I'm in for next year. Yep. Right. Yep. Which and is amazing. It's a, it's unbelievable. And I will I will say this. I, it, it's easy to put me on a pedestal and say like, oh yeah, Mr. A runs that trip or Coach A runs that trip. But the truth is, is that trip only runs because of the adults that come with me. Uh, and I could give shout outs to every single one of those ones. There's people who have been on the trip every year with yeah. me. Every yeah. single year. How many years in are we now? This was year seven. The COVID okay. messed me up with yeah, my right, numbers, right. but I think yeah. this is year seven. Okay. And uh, But the only way this trip happens is because of the adults that come. They, they've cre We've created a culture together around what this trip is. Uh, and it's a gritty trip. It's not easy. It's very, very hard. Everybody agrees with that. But the truth is, is that this is the work of God, I, I think. Yeah. So trip aside, yeah. I mean, part of getting to be here at Santa Fe is that you can really lean into the gospel and helping shepherd kids in their relationship with Jesus. I mean, what is it like for you to get to work at a place where you can do those things? I remember in my interview to get hired here, talking to Mr. Hannon, Dr. Bennett, and telling them that for me, I can't separate education from my, my relationship to Christ. When I think about what I get to do here on a daily basis, which is just pour gospel out of my mouth from the pages of the text, I just feel gratitude and thankfulness every single day that I get to do that. Um, I get to, I literally get to just lay seeds out like a farmer 
and and I don't I'm, I'm not forcing anybody to believe anything I'm just saying this is just the way that it is and my experience tells me that this is the best way forward for every human being the best way forward is connection with God and connection with each other and all I do is lay those seeds out and some kids pick them up sooner than others yeah and I think the coolest part is these kids who keep coming back to keep talking they're asking these really good questions about uh, the way that they're experiencing life um, because Life's hard. Life's really, really hard. And I am really, really thankful that all of the things that God has given me in my life, from experience to gifts and skills and talents, seem to all converge on this place in a way that is truly unique. And uh, yeah, I thank God for this place every single day. I thank God that I get to do what I get to do because it's not it's so much more than a school for me it's so much more than a job for me i think it it ultimately fits into I, this again not big on cliches but it's about calling and purpose for me um and i'm i'm thankful well one more cliche we're not going to believe you're not big on cliches I know it's too late now. I used to. <laughs> Gosh. But I will say we thank God for you too. And, you. Uh, you know, in my role where I'm often working with students who are in crisis point or uh, who are questioning or having some kind of difficulty, I know for so many of them, you always come up as an amazing resource for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're having a huge impact here. And we're Trying. really grateful for you. Trying. So God is using you, my friend. Yeah, thank you. Um, well, thanks for being on the podcast. My pleasure. And uh, this was awesome. We'll have you back. Uh, Will because, you? Oh, absolutely. <sighs> Can't I mean, wait. Yeah, like I, I know since I know you personally, we're just scratching the surface of the amazing Koji stories <laughs> that are right that are right there. I mean, there's more. So we might have to do an episode too. Okay. Um, but really appreciate you being here. Uh, for those of you listening, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, if this is your first time catching us, we have a whole bunch of other episodes. You can check us out on Apple Music, Spotify, or elsewhere podcasts are found. Uh, we look forward to joining you again soon.